Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm John. I'm Linda. Charles. I'm Audie. I'm Katie. I'm Joshua. And uh, we're very pleased and happy to have uh, Katie and Josh with us today. They've actually been on the show before separately. So it's nice to see them together on the same show for change. And uh, we're going to be talking about a couple of uh, favorite things that we've been watching during uh, the times that we've been quarantined here um, during this uh, COVID pandemic. Uh, We'll be talking about uh, the new series Upload, um, Tales from the Loop, and uh, what we do in shadows. So I guess we'll go ahead and kick it off with um, Upload. So let's do a quick show of hands here. How many have watched the, the series Upload uh, on Amazon? Oh, yeah. Okay, so just about almost half. Well, just a little over half. Okay, so for those that haven't seen it, Upload um, is about a <coughs> gentleman that... Um, is in a car crash and he doesn't realize it, but the car crash has been orchestrated to get rid of him because there's this major monopoly that um, has this afterlife software where you can upload your consciousness into this virtual reality, but it's very expensive. And so typically only the very well to do do it. If you're not so well to do, Um, They do have like a budget plan you get on um, and you can upload your consciousness into the budget plan, but you're limited to two gigs of data per month. And when you hit that limit, you freeze. Your avatar just freezes in place. Um, And and a lot of times as you get towards the end of that limit, um, certain things will happen like in your room that you're in, your window that looks out onto this beautiful lake uh, just goes to a blue screen and it says to restore your view, please pay, blah, blah, blah. So it's the whole series is kind of like a satirical look at late stage capitalism. And uh, so Linda's showing a kind of a picture there on the screen. And this is like the, um, what afterlife looks like if you're in the simulation. So there's that big hotel there and, um, that's where everybody checks in and there's tens of thousands of people living in the hotel. Now, even though the hotel only looks like it's four or five stories, it's actually virtually an unlimited number of stories. And um, so anyway, this, this poor guy that gets uploaded there, he doesn't have a lot of money, but his girlfriend, uh, her father is very wealthy. And so she's pretty much paying his way. So, He'll be walking through and, and living in this virtual reality simulation, and 
every so often something will pop up and it'll say, try the new AT&T Taco Bell Gordita, only $5.95, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like a little bubble hovering in the middle of their world, you know, and he has to like left swipe it to get rid of it or something like that. And uh, it's pretty hilarious. So if something pops up that he wants, he has to try to get a hold of his girlfriend to ask her if he can have the money to get it. So, um, it's pretty funny, John. I, I I know you watched it, and, and you had a lot of thoughts on the series. Um, what would you like to share about that? Well, the big one is it's like what one of the rules you forgot to mention is that the dead, the, the uploaded dead, are not allowed to work. Right. They're not allowed to. They can't make money because the way it was explained is that they threaten the economy of the living by possibly overwhelming it, but. In that case, that means everyone is eventually going to be two gig, aren't they? Yeah, because uh, sooner or later, uh, except for there's no, there's one gentleman in the show that is supposed to be like the, uh, one of the, the Coke, Coke brother yeah. that died. Yeah. And but even uh, eventually, won't he? Because I mean, well, yeah, because you live forever, so it, it takes a long time. But eventually, with no way to actually make income, yeah, you're just. I I don't see this as as a. A, a really viable strategy unless unless you have investments and and a substantial seed of investment return that would offset your monthly expenditures well, but even in this case this guy was working on a project to make his own afterlife community mm-hmm. and his partner someone screwed him yeah out of a lot. so and he has no legal recourse because he's dead Right. Mm-hmm. right. So it's like that was the reason he he was offed was because he was building this virtual reality simulation that was a viable competitor for this beautiful afterlife world, but it was going to be free. But what's to stop somebody from stealing all of the that Koch brothers money? Right. Because like, there's no legal recourse. It's like they're they're at the mercy of the living, and I I don't know. That doesn't seem like. I mean, maybe you know, you're dying and you don't think about it. And it's like, hey, yeah, let's sign this piece of paper and we'll do this. But it's like the long term has got to be hitting these people yeah. at some point that eventually they're all going to be two gigging it up. Yeah, so They did provide them a way out, right? Wasn't the, the stream still there? They can, they can, they can suicide themselves. They, yeah, yeah, it is possible to suicide yourself, which would probably well, be part- the way... I would go when I ran out of money, but like two gig or death is what you're saying, Charles. Yeah. Well, yeah. Katie, what were you saying? I was saying it's an interesting premise and kind of sad because it feels very like real somehow. Like, yeah. Just I mean, it's like work. it's like capitalism taken to the ultimate extreme. You know, yeah. where you know you're dead and they've still found a way to get the last of whatever income you've got out of you uh, before you can off. pass it on to somebody it's commodification in its rawest form and it's like yeah you've, you've taken a human saved their essence but stripped them of their humanity mm-hmm. yeah and, and all the rights that a human has and it's like and i don't know the weird thing about it too is that if you're in the simulation you can place audio or video calls to people in the real world. <clears throat> so you can have your dead mother or dead father or cousin or whatever, just decide to randomly call you on the phone. Now, of course, those calls 
use up your monthly allotment of money. <laughs> so, well, you can also have sex in the afterlife <laughs> with a very special suit. But with I somebody imagine- in, in the with with somebody that's living. So oh. if you're, if for example, Josh were killed in a car crash and you put him in the, in the upload simulation, <laughs> right? And you two wanted to get together for a romantic evening, you oh could gosh. do that. Um, now, Josh doesn't have to do anything special, but Katie would. <laughs> Katie, you Josh have to doesn't go, have to do anything special. You have, <laughs> you have to go put on this special suit. Suit. And the suit is really weird. So on the outside, it looks like almost like, I think, a, like a rubber wetsuit. But on the inside, it has thousands of these little silicone fingers all is, over is it. Is Linda so as, for the sex suit? there's no images of that darn it so as josh is touching you those little silicone fingers will move so you can feel like he's actually there and so the weird thing is is that you can actually rent these suits to have sex in now i don't know about anybody else but personally i would not want to rent a suit that somebody else had had sex in no no, that's a hard it, test. <laughs> yeah. And so this woman's out looking at these rental suits because <laughs> she doesn't want to invest the money in getting one permanently, even though it's her boyfriend that she's uploaded into this simulation and she's got all this money. So wait, is but, this a movie or a series? No, it's a series. So oh, there's okay. only, only one season out so far. The premise sounds like a weird mix between the reality um did you watch altered carbon um no yeah or read the 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 book um it sounds like a weird altered carbon bill no um we got started on it but we only like watched the first one and linda wasn't too hot on i saw altered carbon so i know um the basic premise in altered carbon is that uh humans they, they basically have backups memory backups right your your personality your memories or everything are stored on on physical media so if something happens to your body they can re-sleeve you into another body um obviously the more money you have you can have a clone of yourself um but if if you don't then they may just stick you in a random skin suit and that's that's what you look like now um this sounds like a mix between altered carbon and the good place. Um, so it's, it's a good place. Oh, it's, it's pretty good. close to the good place. Yeah. The, st- the, the style's not that, not that different. I don't think. What's it about? Yeah, it's cartoonish. The, the good place was a TV series. I think it just wrapped up um, earlier this year um, where a woman, uh, Eleanor, dies and finds herself in the good place they say well the afterlife isn't exactly what you thought it was there is a good place and a bad place congratulations you're in the good place (laughs) and they're talking about her life and and all the things she did to end up there and she realizes they've got the wrong eleanor oh (laughs) she's not she doesn't actually belong there in the good place. someone else is in the bad place yeah so oh. she 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 mistakenly ended up there and then the series kind of goes from there with her trying to blend in and not be found out because if if you if you thought like oh 
you know, I might end up in the bad place if I come out with this. Well, then it's in your best interest to lie. So she's <laughs> sure. Um, this this sounds uh, a bit like I said a a, a healthy balance between the two. Um, so do you ever see what the bad place is like? Well, there's uh, I, a million I, twists along the way. You really? just have to watch it. <laughs> it's, it it's a really good series, and I don't want, I don't want to spoil anything. Because yeah, um, you can't talk about it for more than 30 seconds without without spoiling a lot of it. But um, have to watch that. Yeah, yeah it's really good. The alternate reference is actually pretty good because basically rather than having stacks, they have like hard drives that they carry their memories around when they're not in the simulation. And they actually did try to download one of the people back into a body that they cloned, and that did not go well. So, yeah, the body sort of self-destructed. Yeah, so That's scary. It's, it's like it's like altered carbon in its, its very first stages where they're starting to develop uh, and, all this technology. And one of the things that's hilarious is so the guy whose girlfriend had him uploaded into the simulation, he's gets to the point where he's tired of living off of her and trying to rely on her for money and not getting it and all this kind of stuff. So, <clears throat> excuse me, he talks to his mother and says, I need you to take me out of here and take, find another simulation. I want to go to another simulation. And there are other ones out there, but they are really horrid. So anyway, <clears throat> he, she agrees to do it. So she goes and picks him up and they basically put him on this little hard drive caddy kind of like thing and so as they do that and the, the place is giving it to them they said now for an additional 1999 we can sell you one of these lovely caddies that will protect your loved ones you know hard drive <clears throat> and she d decides not to do it and they said <laughs> the, the guy that's there he goes yeah it's just a, it's just a gimmick you don't need that and no, that, um, <laughs> that reminded me of, of, of warranties it's like it, when you order, so you buy something and said you want to buy the two-year warranty. I never do. Yeah, because it's designed to last two years. There's uh, uh there's the uh, girlfriend. So she's <laughs> her father's horribly wealthy, and then there's her uh, her uh, boyfriend that's now in the the upload world. Yeah. And and, um, she, and she treats him like crap because uh, she can. She can. She can literally <laughs> delete him at any time. Yeah, and, and they're. Uh, Right there uh, in this scene, that particular scene there, um, she's being interviewed by some, you know, I don't know, I think it's a fashion magazine or something. Oh, or something. Yeah. And so, you know, so he's he's just there. He, they don't let him get in a word in edgewise, which is kind of horrible. But um, anyway, so she takes him to this other simulation and they upload him. And actually, it almost looks like Audie's background. So it's like this this beach scene. <laughs> But it's not immersive. So basically, yeah. when they put him in it, he just pops oh. up and it's, it's just his head on this pillar. And <sighs> it's, it's like a head on a pillar in a 360 degree room with images displayed on the wall. So he can just turn his head around and look. And he can, if he leans his head forward, his simulation starts moving. It looks like the walls are moving, but he has no arms or legs. He can't walk around. He can't interact. So it's just so horrible. Sad. Oh, yeah. So uh, his only option really is to go back. But it's the Futurama head in the jars, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. <clears throat> it's like, I think we got a good snapshot of what they yeah, don't have yeah. any rights at all. No. She can literally delete him at any time, and there's no ethical consequences to it. It's like he's already dead. 
Mm -hmm. Well, and that that's a fascinating thing to debate. When is somebody dead? It's like, <laughs> if, if you can preserve your personality, are you still alive? My favorite part is the the place that they can go to get like help. It's like the psychology room or the, I don't know, the oh, psychiatrist room. There's his psychiatrist. The, yeah, that's the dog. <laughs> the dog's the psychiatrist. And, and he's, got like this, he's got like this deep booming voice. And he's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. So I... I know there's been talk of, um, I, I think I read an article not too long ago about Russian billionaires trying to find a way to upload their brain into a computer. No. And I, I think we're so far off from that as yeah. a species that that won't be achieved in our lifetimes. But the question becomes, if you can upload your, your brain and, and I, I vaguely remember reading a, a short sci-fi story where they said, okay, well, we're going to connect your brain to this PC and they have, you're going to control this, this avatar in the other room. And then eventually they, they cut the link and the, the PC version's controlling one avatar, but you're still alive in the other room. At, you know, if, if they're... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's the which of you is truly alive at that point. The right, the right. uploaded version that's processing on the computer or the version that's still in your meat husk and um, meat husk. <laughs> that's 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 one of the things I always wondered about. Which is you know, for example, if you do teleportation, yeah, and you're moving matter from one spot to another, if <laughs> the piece of you that's in location a is physically destroyed but it moves all the information to location b right have you actually died at that point <clears throat> everything that was person a no longer exists and person b has just created out of the ethos right person b isn't going to realize anything's wrong but person a has now ceased to exist right and if person a had committed a murder and then transport it somewhere, could person B go to prison for it? In this show, they disintegrated him, though, to <laughs> transport him. Oh, yeah, into the simulation? Yeah. I think that was an accident, though, um, because they, they intended to kill him. So in the simulation, you get uploaded, and normally your body then just goes and is buried. But in this case, he was uploaded, and it, it vaporized his head. Yeah, no, I think that's what's supposed to happen. You do? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, they did it again. It's like, that is, that's the uh, upload process is the disintegration of the head. Oh. <laughs> All right. Yuck. <laughs> Which is graphic. Most graphic, actually. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know how that all works, but. Well, I mean, you're no longer using it, right? Well, so. that's true. <laughs> well, yeah. are you, though? I mean, because well, like you were saying, it's like, if a copy is digitally created from my head, then I just gave the immortality to some guy I don't know, and I'm dead. So, well, yeah. either way, you're still dead. Well, no, yeah, because in true. because in this case, the guy was not fatally injured, <clears throat> and yeah, he they think he could have lived. They took him Aww. to the end of the hallway, and <clears throat> they could have taken him to the left into surgery, or to the right to go to the upload. 
and his girlfriend saying, oh, you need to go upload. We can't take a chance. You need to go upload. And the nurses and doctors <laughs> are saying, no, he's not that badly injured. We can save him. <laughs> but, That's so sketchy. Yeah, I'll girl, get better. Yeah, <laughs> the girlfriend kind of convinces him to go to the upload route. Um, remember, and, remember, she's crazy, right? Right. What did she, what did she do in the end? I what happened remember. at the very end when I, she showed up in the uh, in oh, the, in the simulation? Yeah, because because she killed herself. Yeah, she did. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. right. I forgot that. And uploaded herself into the into the same room. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because yeah. because here's the weird thing. One of the things she convinces him to do. The reason she convinces him to go into the upload thing is that she tells him they they'll be together forever uh, in this simulation. But he goes in as a young guy. And presumably she wouldn't go in until she lived a normal life, at yeah. which point she would be uploaded at that state. In fact, it's kind of funny because there's one woman that's uploaded there and she's been one of the ladies that's been there the longest, but all they had were black and white photos of her. So she's a black oh, and no. white avatar oh. walking around in this color world. It's that's pretty cool. hilarious. Yeah. That so, could be fun. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Be yeah. different. Well, I mean, she, this guy is already starting to fall in love with this. Uh, this controller. Whatever. It, it, well, they say it's an angel, but it's like it's a person who's in charge of adjusting the person to the afterlife. And Aww. he's falling It's kind of like their counselor, their adjustment counselor yeah, or something. something like that, yeah. They and take care of uploading them and digitizing their body so that they look like, make sure that when they move their <clears> right <throat> hand, the right hand moves. and. Hmm. But then Cray Cray Girlfriend shows up, so we'll see what happens in season <laughs> hey, two. Hey, there's gonna be there's gonna be a season two. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, shall we move on and talk about uh, let's uh, talk about Tales from the Loop, which is um, uh, a different show that uh, that we just finished watching. So there's uh, also just one season out of that, if I remember rightly. Mm -hmm. And. Um, so that one is different. That's kind of like uh, an anthology series, but it takes place in this single town. And there's a thing underground called the loop, which is like a science experiment that is designed to explore the mysteries of the universe. And this town looks like it's locked in the 1980s time-wise but it's not because they but have it's not kinds, they have all kinds of interesting little technological advancements like they they have hovercraft technology they have like robots they have well yeah it does seem like it's like it's stuck in the 80s yeah but and That's interestingly right. enough when they somebody uh the mom goes to one of the big cities nearby that big city is just super futuristic but yet the town they live in looks like it's in the 80s. The cars, the clothing. So it's almost like there's some sort of a time warp around the loop. But there's also all of this anachronistic debris scattered yeah. throughout the town. And um, old junked robots, um, machinery you know like looks like farm machinery except the weird thing is it's just hovering in space but it's like you know junked um they uh, uh early in uh the show one of the episodes these two kids come across this 
um, giant sphere. And it looks like it's just a piece of junk because it's kind of rusty and it's kind of tipped over laying on its side. It's almost like some of this stuff is just materialized from other dimensions or something and just wherever it shows up, that's where it is. So well, there's tell, this, them, tell them the basis of, of the, how this came about was from artwork, right? Yeah. So, and Linda, you've got, why don't you show the artwork while I describe it? So okay. there's a, um, I think he's a Swedish artist um, that has been drawing a lot of these um, images and they're of um, just normal everyday life. Um, but it will have some weird piece of technology inserted into the landscape that just kind of, <laughs> you know, throws it into a, another <laughs> world. And so People have loved these images for a long time. And they don't really explain them. They're no. just there. It's yeah. like you're seeing this. And that's kind of how it would be because to the people, it's just stuff in their background. To us, we don't know what it is. So, Yeah. And like so basically what they did is they took these paintings and created a show. Around and each, each painting sort of serves as its own episode. And so the people that you'll see in the town they interact with people from other stories. So a story may go on, you may meet somebody in that story that lives in the town, and then the next story will take on that new person's um, story or whatever and live it. And um, it's really good. So anyway, that, there's that sphere, and these two kids come across it. So the one kid decides to climb in it because it's just a big empty metal ball. It actually and, reminded me of an escape pod for yeah. Toyota's rocket because they were yeah. round like that and small. Right. Yeah. The weird thing is it was just hollow on the inside. There was no technology in it or anything. But anyway, he goes in it, and as soon as he goes in it, there's like this escalating whine that kind of goes to a crescendo, and then all of a sudden it – it flashes forward uh, a couple of minutes and the kid that's outside and the kid that are, that are inside the pod, they're both kind of waking up. They've been knocked onto their backs or whatever. And they're both coming to, and they get up and, and they're looking around and they're like, just shocked, like what the hell happened? And, and they, they soon realize that whatever technology that was, their consciousness switched bodies. And so they're each in the other's body. And so, of course, they're totally freaked out about it. So the kid that originally went into the sphere, he decides to go back in to see if they can switch back. And so they do, and the same thing happens, and they switch back. So then they think, well, this is actually pretty cool. You know, it might be fun to live a day in each other's bodies and just, you know, have fun, see what it's like. So, <clears throat> so they go back in, and they do it, and they switch again. And then they go off and live their lives. Well, the one kid who was outside the pod has a real shitty life. And the kid that's inside the pod has a more up, you know, more well-to-do family, a better life. Um, he's actually does well, very well in school. And he is slated to become a scientist working in the loop. Whereas the other kid is not. He doesn't do that well in school, and he's going to go work at a factory, I don't know, slaughtering cows or detasseling corn or some, some horrible job that he doesn't want to do. Well, don't confuse those. Right. No. Anyway, so throughout the day, this kid that's living the other kid's life decides, 
maybe I don't want to switch back. And so there's, that's like kind of like the sphere, except the sphere and it's actually the one on the far left looks a little bit more like it. They're not really painted like that. They're just kind of bare metal as I remember them. But anyway, it's um, that kind of kicks off the show. And um, each one of them is just almost more of a weird episode than the next one. And you're just trying to figure out where's all this stuff come from and what does it all mean? And um, I don't know, Charles, you saw it. What'd you think of it? Well, I, I haven't seen all of them. I saw, I'm, I'm more than halfway through. Oh, yes. I thought it was tedious as all hell. You did? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta agree with Charles on that. It's not really, the acting is terrible. It, well, yeah. you know, they, they, it's spotty. Like, it's spotty. Some of the very few of the performances are excellent, but most of them are like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shots of contemplation and that get that got on my nerves it does get old after a while it's a slow pace yeah you can tell yeah, it's not high action it's more i think it's designed yeah. to be a more cerebral it's approach it, it's supposed to make to you think at least but thought provoking yeah but all the people didn't seem to actually they didn't fit together they didn't seem to actually be coherent they did not seem it's like they didn't know each other even in cases yeah. where they should know each other they did their interactions were very uh primitive yeah is a way to put it. yeah there's huh. something about it that's just wrong and i i don't <laughs> I, I did it, like it, it i thought it was good it's a poor man's black mirror is pretty much what this is I thought it'd be good. Like this is the kind of thing that'd be fun to watch. Like it's it's so slow paced. Like playing a get while playing a game of Scrabble or something. But to give it your full attention to me, that was it, ugh. Yeah, because it's like you start like wandering off. Yeah. Kind of, and then it's like you're you're starting to say, you know, I, there's something I should be doing, and then you realize you're you're watching this, and you should be watching. It. <laughs> It's just the pace. Charles is absolutely correct. It's like, I mean, it's 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 good. Not that it's not interesting. It's, and that's just it right there. It should be fascinating, but it's it you, you it's find your mind wandering well, because well, it's not well, done. Close or something. Maybe <laughs> if they do a season two, they'll uh, bring it around, bring it back. How yeah, long are the episodes? About um, an hour and uh, some change. Less than an hour. What'd you say, John? About an hour and some change. Yeah, something. yeah, right around an hour, I think. If they reduce the the episodes to a half an hour or forty minutes, do you think that improved the pacing a bit? Yeah, it, it, it would. It, all right, speed it up. <laughs> it, it would probably, uh, you know, stop. It would. It would increase retention. You know, it's like. You know, because it's like, yeah, it's about after about 20 minutes, half an hour that you start, you know, like, you know, hey, maybe I should like feed my cats or something. You know, it's like, rather than actually watch, you start it's, thinking it's of other things you might have to do because. You yeah. just... That's you know, a slow that's, pace. That's an interesting point, John. So one of the things I, I think is odd behavior for me personally is I find it's easier to invest in binge watching a TV show than committing to a movie. Even though I'm probably going to end up watching two to three hours of that TV show, mm -hmm. it feels like l less of a commitment than it, the movie does, does because yeah. I, I, I know in my head, I'm like, well, 
these episodes are going to be 22 to 24 minutes, uh, you know, if they were old commercial format. And then at the end of an episode, I can stop, do something, come back. And it just feels mm-hmm. like less of a commitment. Um, mm-hmm. Katie and I just got done watching a K-drama series uh, called Romance is a Bonus Book on Netflix. And the episodes were about an hour apiece. Um, and there was only 16 episodes. And so a little longer than, than an average television season. But I, I, I'm almost thinking... It took us weeks to get through that series, whereas if it was just a standard TV show, I'm sure we would have gotten through it much faster. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Because it's just so hard to say I'm going to sit down and commit to, to an hour, two hours, yeah. three hours of... You know, I'll tell you what it is for me, is I prefer binge-watching the series. If I have a choice and we're going to sit down and watch something, I'd rather start a new series that's one, two, or maybe many more seasons than a movie. Because in my mind, if I'm going to sit down and invest two hours, say, of my time in in a story and with characters, in my mind, it's something that I want to be able to continue for a while. Yeah, I want, no, I did. I want the long haul story with these characters, and I want to know more everything there is to know about them versus and, just a two hour movie and then move on to something else. And that's what disappointed me about Tales from the Loop because I mean, all right, Stranger Things. Yeah. I, when Stranger Things came out, I ignored it. I, I, and I don't know why. I can't tell you why. But um, when season two came out of Stranger Things, I said, all right, I'll watch season one, Stranger Things. And I did it in a day. Yeah, which which because you couldn't let go. Yeah, I couldn't stop. And then the next steps. The, then I did season two the next day. So in forty eight hours, I watched both seasons because it gripped me. And yeah. Tales from the Loop failed to do that. It, yeah. was, just, it was literally it's like, but I could only handle about two episodes a day. Yeah, because after yeah. that, I had. I mean, and that I was struggling with those two. There's just something about it that it, it fights me. It makes me fight. My my attention span keeps wanting to run away. See, and I I loved it. I really liked watching it. And I, I find it to be very very good speculative fiction. It's yeah. actually well written. Uh, I think the actors are doing the best they can because they have some really good name actors. But I don't mm-hmm. think people are telling them what to do correctly. Yeah, it could I, be. I, I, I don't know, but it's like How we did I like the stories because we wanted watch... to love it. I wanted to love it really bad, but it it, it was almost painful at times. John, it, it, it sounds like, so I have tried numerous times over my life to read Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky, uh, yeah. uh-huh. and I get <laughs> usually about 100 to 150 pages into that book and go, I just don't care. <laughs> I get about and, and it's pages in, and I wonder why every Russian doesn't just fucking kill themselves. Well, <laughs> uh, the... <Nice. laughs> It's it's you've heard the old joke about how do you sum up Russian history in five words? It's and then it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But uh, the golf clap tragedy. I think I did. <laughs> um, but it's it's one of those things to where I can look at the book and go, I I know this is well written. I know the subject's supposed to be engaging. It's just not gripping me. It's not keeping my interest. And it sounds like this series is kind of the same way where it's like, hey, I know this is made well. I know the subject matter is supposed to be really interesting. I just don't care. Right. 
It watches like a Russian novel reads. It does. You're it does. Yeah. That's perfect, Charles. Did That's you, exactly it. Did you watch it at all, Audie? Hello? No. Yeah. Oh, so you're you're not going to be able to wait to go out there and grab it now. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, you give it a try. I mean, but it's like, I, I, God, I've got two and a half episodes left to go. I'm just going to do it because I feel that... Rip the Band-Aid off. I, yeah, it's, it's, like I, <laughs> I, it's almost like I made it this far. You know, it's like kind of, kind of, yeah. It's, well, it's sometimes like, you do. Cause that's, that's funny because I, uh, Crime and Punishment. It should come with a free t-shirt that I made it all the way through this thing. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about it. I, I was reading it. Crime and Punishment in high school when I got the chicken pox. And Probably so, the better uh, alternative to reading the book. <laughs> it's like I have about two chapters left, right? I'm, I'm right at the end. <laughs> but I went delirious. Charles, you're supposed to read the book, not live the story. I know. <laughs> it actually gave me a phobia for Russian literature. But uh, I, I, I will not read a Russian literature book without interspersing it with something funny. Mm. Um, I, I think it depends on the author um, a lot. <laughs> yeah. The, I, I've read, um, like, Tolstoy, I, I've read, and I'm like, well, this is interesting. Like, there, there's something about, um, I had a, a, a friend who described to me once, he's like, you know, the difference, he was talking about uh, Victor Hugo, and even though um, Les Miserables is, is one of the longest goddamn novels you can ever read, he said <laughs> the, the difference between like him and, and Dostoevsky is that Victor Hugo will time skip and Dostoevsky will write the whole 20 years out. And you just won't care about any of it because it's going to be the most mundane, boring crap. Hugo's um, my favorite writer. <laughs> I, I, I have a question because... You know, Bill, you were talking about the you preferred to binge entire series. Yeah. And John had mentioned Stranger Things binging season one, season two. And I actually found that by the end of season two, there was an episode in particular, um, and I guess spoilers for anybody that's that's not caught up, but there was an episode in particular um that I'm I'm sure everyone kind of agrees was poorly written. Stranger and, Things, right? Yep, yep. Um, revolving around a uh, her sister, and oh. by the time we got to the end of that season, it had just kind of been like, well, I, I think the show was really good at a single note, but they kind of hammered that note home, and we haven't even picked up season three yet because we we for whatever reason it just kind of dropped our interest, hmm. and I I don't know if. If that's just something where Katie and I are kind of like, well, you know, this this was a particular flavor of thing. It did a good job of presenting that. But when you say her sister, you're talking about one of the others in the experiment. Eleven right, sister. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm just well, gonna say that they they don't go too much more into that. At this that it, episode felt like filler. It was weird. It, it, it was filler. right. You're absolutely right. That one and and they never really go back to that. Probably because everybody hated it. <laughs> I recommend. I recommend season three. It's really good. It is. Well, yeah. I they, think they the problem I had, 
Give him one bad episode. Just give him that one. Yeah. Season two just felt like season one all over again, but slightly different. It, it felt like... Well, season three will not be like season two and one. I promise you. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll give it a shot because... Yeah, honestly, the problem... I don't remember anything of what happened in season two. Well, I guess I have to rewatch it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. I know the episode you're talking about, and it did. It, it didn't seem organic to the actual flow of all the rest of it. So mm. I, I, I didn't... I'm glad that they went away from that because I liked I liked where they were going with all of that stuff, and it's like they just never really came back. Hmm. They might in um, season four, I don't know. But well, one th- I, I think one of the biggest problems I had is um, I always, to me, I liken a lot of things back to Dragon Ball Z, which is they had so many seasons, but each season was basically the same thing, which is. Monster of the Week shows up or, or Bad Guy of the Week shows up. They're way more powerful. Goku dies. They use the Dragon Balls to bring it back. Goku wins. Repeat for, you know, Ad Infinitum. And, and at least half the time is spent screaming. Right. <laughs> and season two <laughs> to me felt up. like... I We were watching season two and I'm like, well, we, we kind of saw all this already with season one. Only now it's got, you know, the guy from Goonies and Lord of the Rings in it. And it, it just, it wasn't, and I kind of have the same problem that, that Katie does, which is I don't remember much of it because it didn't leave much of an impact. Right. Yeah. They have a couple yeah. new characters in season three and a lot of Russians. So. Hey. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so it gets worse. It gets worse. It, it, <laughs> you think it's, it's on the verge of turning into the Goonies, but it doesn't quite. It mm-hmm. actually stays. It's true to Stranger Things, but yeah, I, I, I can see by saying that, those words coming out of my mouth, there's new characters in Russians, and it's like, I just sounded campy. I did, I, but it's, it's not really campy, but it's sure. The Russians are kind of campy. When I talk about it, when I'm describing it now, it's like, I'm just describing something I don't want to see. But it's good. It is, I promise. I swear. All right. Well, we'll, we'll give it a shot. It was something um, I wanted to come back to that John said earlier that was really fascinating um, about Tales from the Loop when he said that it feels like the actors don't know each other. Yeah. I think, like hmm. that's a phenomenon that happens when actors aren't like in the same world in a way. And like, it just feels like they're all kind of in separate. Like this is something with voice acting that we have to be really careful of because when people are literally recording separately and never interact with mm-hmm. each other, like you can feel like this person is like in a cartoon and this person yeah. is like, in this thing. And hmm. So, like, keeping true to the world and the style, like, you would perform very differently in Game of Thrones than you would in, you know, Stranger Things or something. Do actors actually, do they all, do they ever sit down with, like, directors and producers and discuss what they're doing? Are you talking about voice acting or regular acting? Oh, voice acting and acting acting, I imagine. Because these are are actors, not voice actors. Yeah. They all seem to, they're just, not on the same page. I mean, I, I think there's some really good actors, like I said, and some people I have never seen, but they seem to be fine actors. They just don't yeah. seem to interact like they've ever interacted before. It's, like, it's tough, almost, yeah. Yeah. They like met that. each other right then and there. It's a tough question because it depends on the director and what they think is important. Um, sometimes they will just throw people on the set and they're like, oh, hi, I've never met any of you before. Like, I don't know. Um, but sometimes they will really take the time to help people understand 
what you're they're an actress. To tell, what kind of story, but do you, prefer to, do you prefer to act in things where you actually have some kind of grasp about how you're supposed to feel and how others are supposed to feel and in the same room where you all connect to like, well, do you like do table reads? Well, see, that's what's brilliant about theater because that's the, and you do like a month of that. Basically that's what rehearsal is. But with film, usually sometimes you'll get like one table read, but time is money right and sometimes they're just oh. like right here's a script i'll meet you on our filming day you know oh my so god it just really depends but that's the cool thing about theater <laughs> what about voice acting so yeah do you guys how do you guys get together on the same page for what you're doing i mean do you meet one-on-one -on -one with the the person that's hiring you to do the reads and they kind of tell you what they're looking for or do you all get together and agree on a style? I'd say like 95% of the time, the director is just like, all right, here's the script. Do what you did for the audition, whatever that voice was. Wow. And you like a few different takes and I'll just choose whatever one is best. Mm -hmm. And then you hope that it all sounds good in the end, but you don't really know until it comes out. That's like most of the time. Mm -hmm. But sometimes... I Directors will be like, all right, we're going to have a live recording session. I'm going to guide you through it. I'm going to make sure it sounds good with everyone else. Like, That's it good. Depends. One of the things I've seen on a couple of the projects that, that Katie has worked on, too, is oftentimes the voice actors have different equipment. Oh, yeah. And, and so uh. what you'll hear is like Katie's audio comes through. It's very rich. It's very clear. And then the next person will come on. And they're acting well, but sounds like they're they're recording their lines through a 1980s walkie-talkie. Oh. And uh, immediately take you out of the world, right? Yeah. Like, right. Oh. right. Be because there's there's like this this yeah over the top, and you're like, well, now I'm no longer absorbed because what I like about the work Katie does is you're thinking more about what the characters doing, what the characters talking about, thinking, feeling, saying, etc. But when that audio comes through, you're just really aware that you're listening to recorded audio all of a sudden, as huh. opposed to I'm immersed in this universe. So I there, there's probably extra difficulty with that trying to, I would think as a director, trying to just make sure that everybody kind of sounds like they recorded together, even yeah. if they didn't. Yeah, so there's like the physical recording world and then the like more... Like, are we in the same world acting together? Sort of. Yeah. Now, when you're when you're doing voice acting, and so I take so you've got this script in front of you. I take it right, mm -hmm. and so you're just reading your lines. But I'm assuming you've got the other characters' lines in there as well, so that you know what they're saying to you, so that you can respond to them. But <laughs> I think that maybe not. Like 50-50. <laughs> really? Oh my so sometimes God. is it just oh, your, yeah. just only your lines? Yeah, it'll just be a massive amount of like, oh, wow, or like, that's interesting, or whatever. And I have no idea what the person said. Oh, oh that would that's be That's part it. of my job is to really use my imagination and picture whatever Maybe. is happening and do take my best shot at it. And sometimes they'll write back and be like, oh. so oh, fun listening to her record sometimes because... <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't realize that that we can hear her sometimes, but she'll be saying some of the weirdest things. And but you you only hear her half of the conversation. Sure. And so there's no context whatsoever. There's it, there's no explanation, and it's like half the time it's her just yelling. <laughs> 
Huh. That so sounds if dramatic, learned, man. <laughs> if if I've learned anything about about voice actors is apparently they yell all the time. <laughs> it's a lot of her like you know making battle sounds and and <laughs> it's, wow. it's very uh so when you're recording this stuff katie then so you record it digitally i'm sure right then do you go back with software and tweak that recording yes so what are you doing when you're going back to do that? Oh, I'm sorry, I've gone on a tangent. This is exciting. That's okay. This is fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah, so I record it just with a, you know, a little bit of space between each line, so I have that. Um, uh -huh. And then I go back, and I'd say for every, like, minute of recording, I probably spend, like, three minutes editing. So that's wow. something I'm aware of, too, when I look at, like, how much something is paying me, because I'm like, this is a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, because I not only want to take out all that background uh, sound, like Josh said, um, which no matter, I feel like, how good of a studio you have, there's going to be room tone because every room just has its own sound, you know? Sure. Uh, so I go back and get rid of that. And then I, I just kind of condense things. Like, I don't want there to be, you know, 30 seconds between a line where I'm looking for something because the oh. person listening later doesn't want that. So, so I make sure to just put everything a little closely together and get rid of, like... Um, Every voice has their own little like quirks. Like I sometimes pronounce my S's too strong and I have to go get rid of that. Mm. Um, or some people like have a lot of mouth clicks and that kind of thing. So when you hear those oh. weird things, you just want to get rid of them. So or, like, kinda... go ahead. So, because okay. I do theater, I um, use a lot of breath. And so I take really deep breaths when I'm recording and it sounds really unnatural because I might just be having a casual conversation and I'm like, <gasps> gotta breathe gotta breathe now what software are you using to edit your stuff then oh i just use the super free really easy audacity oh okay yeah i've used that before that's pretty good software yeah for amazingly good for as free for being free i think yeah funny no yeah i used to use it uh when i was a ghost hunter using high and low passes to get some of those clicks out so you can like hear better and it's interesting you can clear whole frequencies that'll clean up a track really well so yeah it's pretty amazing it oh, is amazing for free it really really is yeah, yeah. they should sponsor I, us <laughs> katie so katie is uh um not one to toot her own horn but the the part she's leaving out is everything that that she's learned all the software editing how to record these are all things she's taught herself yeah over the the last three or four years and so wow it's been amazing to watch for her to go into it with zero knowledge zero experience no one really sat her down and said this is this is how you have to do this to where i'll come home she's got her headphones on she's sitting editing her soft or editing her audio files and she's like well i've got to get uh, you know, this recording out today because this person, you know, wanted me to make these changes and I've got three more auditions I got to submit. And, um, wow. and it's, it's really interesting to me because I'll hear her, she'll record the same line four different ways. So she can go back later and say, these are, wow. this is the take I want, clip all the rest out. And, um, oh. and I, here's what I could tell you as, as a, Software, I was about to throw my whole title in there, but realized it doesn't, uh, 
matter. Uh, as a as a software developer, I've tried to go in and use Audacity, and it's a foreign language to me. So mm. the fact that she's gotten as professional with it and confident nice. with it as she has is is absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah, nice. <laughs> well, and and considering the fact that we're in a global pandemic and it's hard to get together and do live acting now. Mm-hmm. This is a real way for you to stay in the game and continue yeah. doing what you love doing um, without putting yourself at risk being out with other people. So that's that was kind of fortunate that you started that when you did. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful. <laughs> yep. So are you working on uh, uh, any uh, projects right now that um, that you want to talk about? Or? Um, a couple, like a lot of the work I do is for... Um, like businesses or like English language learning apps and that kind of thing. So they're kind of more catered towards like a specific audience, but, Mm. um, but there is like a couple little visual novels that I'm working on, which if you don't know what that is, it's sort of like, it's like a mix between a video game and reading a book sort of. So like you, you have like a visual component. It's usually like some kind of still image and then you're reading their dialogue. Um, and in most games, that dialogue is also voice acted, but, uh, and the only sort of play element is sometimes you make decisions that have like branching paths and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's kind of like a that. choose your own adventure slash dating sim a lot. Yeah. Usually there's a dating <laughs> okay. element to it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So cool. yeah, so I'm in a couple of those right now and I'm excited. Nice. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, let's move on. Um, so uh, another thing that, um, a number of people have recommended we watch and Josh and Katie finally helped to make sure that we did was, um, what we do in the shadows, which, um, Josh, why don't you go ahead and explain that for us? Because you're a huge fan. Uh, I, what we do in the shadows is, uh, a mockumentary, um, and we started with the movie. You haven't seen the series yet. Right. So we started with the movie, which, and I can never pronounce this director's name right. Um, I actually have to have it in front of me. Uh, Those are the characters from the movie that Linda put on screen there. They're so cute, aren't they? <laughs> oh, I don't want the TV series. I wanted the movie. Well, regardless, um, the director... Um, he's the same guy that did Thor Ragnarok and um, mm. recently Jojo Rabbit. And, I don't um, know how to say that name either. Taiki something. Yeah. Um, yeah, something. But the I made the, the really poor decision of watching that movie for the first time on a flight from L.A. back to Omaha. Um, <laughs> I, I had a friend just tell me, well, he's like, you're really going to like this film. You you need to, you need to watch it. And I said, I've got four hours to kill. I'm stuck on the plane here. So I load it on my, uh, um, my Kindle fire and I started watching it and I spent the entire flight going, I can't laugh as loud as I want to. Like <laughs> people are going to be, um, because I'm, I'm very loud when I'm laughing and, uh, <laughs> it is one of the funniest films I've ever seen. It's, it's in, probably my top 10 or 15 uh, uh, comedy films because it's so absurd. And the way they filmed it, it's, it's very, um, there, there's something about that, their, their style of humor where they don't, 
treat it as anything fantastic. It's this movie about vampires and their day-to-day lives. And you would think that they'd be trying to to make the, this this fantastical thing. And really, it's just them going about their business. Um, and it's it's incredible. So um, it's, these, it's a story. So you've got these four uh, vampires that share a, a flat together in a Wellington suburb in uh, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And um, they're all different ages. So as you look at the picture Linda put up, the guy that's on the bottom center there um, with the, the bald guy. head and the pointy ears, he's <laughs> like 8,000 years old. Yeah. Either. He's 8,000 years old, yeah. And he's very uh, feral in his <laughs> responses. So, uh, And then the other guys are various ages, 183 years, I think. and um, 300 and something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, and they all have that. their weird quirks. Um, <laughs> and then the guy on the far right um, is just a Dude. normal human. Just, and Stu's like their pet. It's like, it's like they <laughs> kind of, him. yeah. They, 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 they Stu's the neatest thing. It's like, well, and he teaches them how to use technology. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. he teaches the one guy <laughs> who hasn't seen his, uh, his manservant, whom he left in, in Europe somewhere, a uh, thousand years ago, or I don't know how long ago it was. I, he well, seen... Probably like, like 70, 80 years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, because the guy's still yeah, living yeah. and he's human. Um, so he, he gets him together on a, like a, a Zoom conference call with him so that they can catch up, and it's just hilarious. You um, can really tell from this picture, like, they're different personalities too, which is great. Yeah. yeah. Dude's just really laid back. He's just, he's like, he knows he's surrounded by vampires and werewolves. He just doesn't care. He's like, what if? Yeah. <laughs> The... Yeah, and and the guy that's standing next to Stu, the second second one over from the right, um, he's a he's a very recent he, vampire. He's only like he's a, a recent addition. Yeah, a few <laughs> yeah. days to a week old, and um, he's has stupidly going around telling everyone he's a vampire. He's a vampire. And I, the the one scene with him that I thought was the most hilarious is they're like at a convenience store picking up some food and he's talking to the convenience store clerk and he tells him he's a vampire and the convenience store clerk is like, yeah, I'm a vampire too, you know, like, like what a, maybe a cosplayer, you know, a vampire wannabe or whatever. And he's just kind of joking around with him like, yeah, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a vampire too. And, and, um, he says, you know, show me, show me some of your uh, supernatural powers or something like that. And the, the guy just turns, his face just <laughs> turns ghastly like a demon, you know? And the guy is just, just standing there like, what the F just happened? <laughs> yeah. I, it reminds me a lot of like Best in Show or A Mighty Wind or Spinal Tap where, again, these other mockumentaries where the humor is very, the the people themselves are just absurd. And I, what I think made it, even though everybody's vampire and, and supernatural, what made the characters interesting is that they, they gave it a sense of realism. So, uh, the the um I cannot remember the character's name, but yes, his character Yago, example, was 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 an eight yeah yeah he was a eighteenth century fop, and so they they kept those personality traits to where he was very particular, wanted very things fastidious. cleaned up, yeah, <laughs> and 
but living in 2014 where that just doesn't work and (laughs) it's it was very um surreal to watch well and the hilarious part is he he wants all the vampires to be neater and uh you know, when you kill somebody, can't you lay down some newspapers, newspapers. or towels so you don't get the blood all over everything? And then he, he tries up, to set up a chores chart. And yeah. it, <laughs> yeah, it's like, you haven't done the dishes for five years. This is still here. Five years later, and that's a, it shows a whole bunch of dishes. And the other vampires are like, we're vampires. We don't do dishes. <laughs> and it's like, he wants the dishes done. What, what I think is interesting about this and the TV series is I've yet to meet someone that we've introduced it to who has walked away from it going, yeah, I don't like that. I, I think everybody's kind of like, no, this is this is really good. Um, the TV series, uh, when you start to watch it, I think the first episode, maybe the first like two episodes, parallels the movie a little bit um, because they needed a jumping off point. Uh, but they quickly diverge enough to where the characters in the TV show become their own thing. And I can tell you after watching two seasons of the TV show, I, I think I like it better than the movie. Well, I, I liked it. And I'll probably watch. I'm a little unhappy. It's like that I had to actually buy the movie from Amazon Prime. It's not a big price. It's just like, I, but I pay for Amazon Prime. So... I know, I don't get that whole It chafes me a little bit. And I'll have to pay for the series, too. But it's very good. It really is. The series is available uh, to stream for free on Hulu right now. Um, I could not find it there. On Hulu? Yeah. Well, I found it, but actually it doesn't seem to be free. On on Hulu it is. At least I think it is. Um, Right now. The... My my viewpoint, particularly when I see stuff like this on Amazon, and they're so like, hey, it's five or ten bucks to to watch or or to uh, own it. It's there the the streaming rights and licensing for most of this stuff is so complicated. Yeah, that I, like Doctor Who, I paid for a lot of the series on Amazon so I could watch it the day after they they aired and Amazon has removed all the old seasons because they don't have the licensing anymore. All that's moved to HBO Max. Yeah. Um I'm probably eventually going to buckle and pay for HBO Max just because between Doctor Who, Miyazaki, etc, there's going to be a lot of things I want to watch there. Um but if it's a one-off movie where I know I'm going to pay for it, I'll be able to watch it whenever I want. I'm like, look, $10 for me, how much would this have cost if, if Katie and I went to see it in the movie theater? Mm-hmm. Probably right. close mm-hmm. to 30, 40 bucks. Once mm-hmm. you factor in tickets, popcorn, drinks, etc. for $10, I can pay for the movie, support the people that went through the trouble of producing it, acting in it, um, to to ensure those people keep making things I enjoy, and I now have it, I can watch it whenever I want. So yeah, it makes sense. And it it was way cheaper than than going to the movie theater anyway. Which I I was actually kind of happy to see a number of theaters say we're just going to throw our movies out for streaming mm-hmm. instead of putting them in the theater during you know uh, the the quarantine that's going on. Um, because anymore, uh, it's, 
I there are some things I want to see in a movie theater, but a lot of things where I'm like, well, if it was just five bucks and I could watch it on my couch, I'd be more inclined to do it than spending right. forty dollars to go see it in the movie theater. I do miss that experience though. And, yeah. Something about being with other people. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Josh is right. It's on Hulu for free, and it's like I know what I'm doing today, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a good choice. It's 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 not a big price. It's just it's it's. It's the it's the yeah, it was like four bucks I think to, yeah it's not it's not right. a lot but it's the principle it's like and now if a, if a movie if like taking a movie and putting it directly to streaming they want to charge for that I understand it didn't have a theater run but it's like it's well just, here's the here's here's the way I look at it so that movie is not something that Amazon owns or owns the rights to. So would you rather have them have it out there and have you have access to it for a small fee or have them not even have it in their, out there in their inventory at all? And in my mind, I'd rather have them have it out there for a small fee and give me the option of watching it and, and paying a small fee to see it versus not being able to get it at all. Even get it. But I'm looking There's, at it like, like I'm a teacher. I teach, but... Uh, the students pay UNO for me to teach. What if I charge for my office hours? That's kind of how I, I remember, John, that, that for the, the class. It's like, are the office hours included or are they not? Amazon Prime isn't just a video streaming service. You're paying for the two-day shipping. You're paying for the video streaming. You're paying for access to their, their music service and catalog. And so it's, it's justify me paying more to Amazon who has more money than God. But, but you're not paying more to Amazon. That money that you're paying um, oftentimes goes directly to the, the company, the <laughs> producer. They're just providing a platform for you to watch it. Um, it's, it's, so there's services like view, et cetera, where a lot of, um, Oh, you can purchase digital versions of the movie. So if you go to Walmart, they'll hey, have the little cards where it's like, well, you can just buy the digital version and it's five or 10 bucks versus 20 for the Blu-ray. Um, I can purchase that, go on to an app on Amazon Prime and watch it. Amazon Prime is is providing me that application, right? But that's still them just providing the the ability to view that material. It's the same thing as when you purchase a movie through them. You're not, I, I would say if the movie costs 10 bucks, I'd almost guarantee that 95, 98% of that goes towards the, the production company, goes towards the movie studio, goes towards whoever holds the licensing rights versus Amazon who's just providing you the, the service to stream it. Everything you say is true. I'm positive that's true. Yet that still doesn't make it chafe less. It's just, it's just <laughs> especially it's with Amazon, who, who just is the conglomerate that controls the world. And it's like- well, You don't have to use Amazon Prime to stream it. You could use Apple TV, you could use YouTube. Uh, I, I'm almost willing to bet YouTube has what we do in shadows for the, uh, a similar price and you mm -hmm. can stream it through there. But I get I both sides. I get what you're saying for sure. I would have done it. And I agree with it's if it was mom and pop, it was like upcoming ups, you know, you know, if, if I felt like my community was benefiting 
It would so make me right now throwing money at Jeff Bezos. Right now on YouTube, what we do in the shadows is ten ninety nine to purchase on HD and three ninety nine to rent HD, which is the same price same it was price. on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's. I would have felt I, better it, about that somehow. <laughs> I would have. I would have felt better about that. What were you going to say, Charles? I think you had had a point you were trying to make. Because there's a lot of these. Because this is this is maybe not older, older, but it's a few years old, right? Yeah, it came out in 2014. And so, to me, some of the, some of these older films, older, it was like five years ago. Well, that's older, but it's stocking. <laughs> I mean, they, they've got a stock. It's not a popular film to watch right now. Yeah. I'm trying to think like the other, the other day I watched, uh, I'm trying to think if I paid for it or not, but, uh, but I was curious. So I watched like Omega Man with Charleston Heston. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like that. Good been, one. I'd watch it as a kid and then, but if I have to pay two or three bucks or whatever to, to uh, satisfy some curiosity, <laughs> you know, then it was worth it. Yeah. That's okay. But I'm already paying Amazon and Amazon already has all the money. I just, well, just own the world already, yeah. But yeah. Uh, just, I, I, I liken it to its pay per view on cable. Yeah. Right. You're right. already paying for your cable service, but with pay per view, there are some things you had to pay extra to to see, right? And that's because it it was there 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 were special things, there were licensed events, you know. Yeah. If you used to be in wrestling, watching WrestleMania, that was a pay per view event, or boxing, because. These are, are, are things that are outside of the purview of the licensee of normal cable television. Are you getting um, back from Amazon? <laughs> no. Josh is on their payroll. I'm just a realist. And honestly, 99% of the time, I prefer to purchase physical media over, over digital because I know digital rights, most of the time, you're not you don't really own it you're, you're leasing it from them for an indeterminate period of time until mm. their licensing changed um i think it was actually amazon uh, um handful of years ago where they had to recall digital editions of 1984 because they didn't have the licensing for it and so they removed it from people's kindle libraries um that people that had legitimately purchased the book no longer had access to it because amazon didn't have the licensing for it so if it's something I truly enjoy, like I have a big box set of MASH on DVD because it bounces between streaming services all the time. Sometimes uh -huh. it's on Netflix, sometimes it's on Hulu. And I said, well, I don't want to be beholden to a service provider to watch this content that, that I enjoy. So I have a physical media of it. Uh -huh. um, Might I say that your Hawkeye cosplay is also spot on and give you a call. Mm -hmm. oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, the... But I'm also aware of we are in a tenuous relationship right now with a lot of these content providers. Amazon is probably the it's it's around a hundred bucks a year, um, and I think Netflix, Hulu, if you average them out, are around the same. Yeah. That's still tremendously cheaper than if I was paying for cable. Still, um, right. the but if I start the more people that are willing to to say, hey, look, this is a movie I want to watch. It's $5 to, to purchase or it's, it's $2 to rent. Um, it's going to keep the studios incentivized to keep providing that versus, hey, I'm just going to pirate these movies. Well, then 
we're going to have the same problem we did with cable, which is everybody's going to start increasing their costs because they're not getting the revenues that they expected. I'd rather I pay for things I enjoy and incentivize the providers, whether that's Viacom or Sony or Miramax or whomever, to continue keeping prices low enough to where it's approachable versus, you know, we're, we're just, I, I mean, look at, at Disney now has their own streaming service. HBO is yeah. coming out with their own streaming service. NBC put Star Trek behind a fucking paywall, which is, I, I still haven't watched any of Discovery and I refuse mm. to because that's one of those where I thought, yeah, it goes I, against I, I know, vision, I think. Well, but but that's the thing. I could have said I'm I'm not going to pay for this. I'm going to try and pirate it and, and stream it. But well, but no, I'd rather just vote with my wallet. Would do that. Well, I, I'm just going to vote with my wallet and say I don't agree with the, the decision you made to put this behind a paywall. Um, I'm not going to watch it. I'll, I'll watch the Orville, which is included on some of my streaming services, and honestly in my opinion, probably a better program. My, my, my only issue with that was that there's some, were, uh, there's some Josh Cato cosplay. Right there. Uh, yeah. Nice. My, my only issue with CBS and their charging for discovery or for some of the Star Trek stuff that they're showing was that they're only doing it for people in the United States. If you're yeah. elsewhere in the world, you get it free on Netflix. And that's that's, so that's what irritated the shit out of me was well, that, what, why are that, they screwing U.S. customers? That's what prescription drug companies do is uh, most places regulate. So the drugs that cost like $300 a prescription here cost like seven. Yeah. You know, that's so crazy. So the, no, well, it, the United States, because the United States has a lot of the money. So but our healthcare system's all messed up. Well, it's the same principle as what CBS is doing with, uh, discovery bill's right if you live in england you can watch it on netflix it's like if you live in canada you can watch it on netflix but you can't watch it here without getting cbs all access which i don't know how you get around that without looking bad because it looks bad to me right although now they've soured their relationship with netflix so i don't think you can even get it on netflix now internationally but I don't know. Well, I, I haven't I've looked got, at it in a while, but I've I've got sour grapes over the direction they've taken with with Discovery and Star Trek in recent years, anyway. So I'm probably not the right person to, to ask about be, that. I'd but. actually be very curious to hear what you think. What What about the direct? Because I have some thoughts on that. I'd like to hear what you have to say. I I don't think it's Star Trek. I, now, I haven't seen Picard, so I can't speak to it, but everything I've read about the synopses for Discovery, and I said, looking at the original Star Trek series, looking at Next Generation, even looking at Deep Space Nine and, and Voyager, there's always been this message of hope and showing that negotiation and politics and diplomacy are how you solve problems. And it was always about exploration and curiosity about the world around you. And what Discovery is, it's this is sci-fi action porn. Yeah, it's, it's trying to turn it from a, a science fiction series into a space opera. 
I mean, it's just and like, Josh, your mic went kind of wonky for a second. Yeah, yeah, kind of chopping out a little bit. Some wobbly, wobbly. Is it is it better now? No, uh-huh. I could probably fix it. Hang on. But no, I, I agree with ex- I, exactly what you're saying. It's not really Star Trek. It's not bad, but it's not Star Trek. It, it's in 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 many cases, Picard is actually mostly fan service too. Really, basically, whole bunches of scenes for the older fans who have grown, who love uh, the Next Generation, uh, new well, actors coming in from the old show. And I part of the reason is my mic working better now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Part of the reason I liked Orville is. I wasn't sold on it on the first couple episodes. It was very, this is family guy in space. And I think that's how he sold it to Fox is. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I, I I stuck with it and quickly, there's still the occasional bit of humor in there, but they, they captured this spirit of, and a lot of people compare it to next generation where it's got that, that sense of hope to it and a lot of uh, of the people complain while well, the stories are dealing with uh, potentially racism and gender politics and, well, and I said but so did they Star Trek did yeah. that and, and and that's why I said Gene Roddenberry was constantly pushing the envelope uh, about social norms and yes the original series is crazy misogynistic right but yes, yes, for is. what it was they were still trying to push the boundaries. They and were. that's one of the things I like about the, the Orville is Seth MacFarlane and crew are, are saying like, look, these are the things we, we know to be true and that whether or not society is ready to accept them, we're going to illustrate yeah. both sides of the argument. And they do it in a way, particularly there's an episode where the, the Mocklins, Clyden and Bordas, um, are, are dealing with the gender identity of their child. Right. And they portray both sides of that argument in a very respectful way so that you can look and you can understand why Clyden, who tends to be more conservative in, in his views, feels the way he does. And you don't necessarily look at that and go like, oh my God, what a monster. You go, well, I, I see where he's coming from and you're still allowed to disagree with it, but they do it in a way that they're, they're trying to illustrate the, and I use this term loosely, the humanity of, of everybody in the situation. So what um, do you think about is, Clyde and Bordas? Are they going to make it as a couple? I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, they, they did try to get divorced once. Uh, by killing each other. I, <laughs> that's that's the, a lock on divorce as you stab <laughs> I, I was really, if if the war with the uh, massive spoilers for anybody that's not caught up. Um, yeah. So if if you're if you're still catching up on the Orville, like tune out for the next like two minutes. Um, the fact that they introduced the Kalons as the the everybody come together. This is the big baddie. I think if they hadn't gone down that road, the war with the Mocklins was coming. Yeah. I agree. Um, and, and there's a lot of parallels, obviously, between them and the Klingons, I, I think, um, in Star Trek. But the the conservative nature of and the tenuous relationship between the Mocklins and the um, 
oh, hell, what's the name of their collective? It's not the Federation, whatever the Orville Collective is. Oh, uh, the Union. The Union, yeah. Uh, their, their tenuous relationship with the Union, I think, was very fragile, and particularly some of the decisions they made with um, the planet full of refugees, they were marching very rapidly to war. And so it'll be interesting with season three to see if that's still bubbling beneath the surface, even though there's the war with the Kalons and the very new uh, partnership between the Krill and the Union. So yeah, it shows a political universe. It's, it, you're right. It's like, I love it. It's the original Star Trek. It's like, you know, with Blackjack and hookers, just like <laughs> versus discovery, which is basically like, here's, you know, it, it's, it's 24 in space. You know, here's all this stuff yeah. with black ops and, and, and it just wasn't for me. I said, that's not what I want out of Star Trek. Yeah. I, I do give credit to, from what I've read about Picard, they're, they're trying to at least have some more philosophical discussions about the nature of what existence is and right to life is. And, and you saw that a lot in this last, in this first season of Picard. It was, yeah. it was really, for me, a lot more like the traditional Star Trek that we've come to know and love. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so I thought that was good. It was a lot, it was a lot, uh, there, while there was action in it, um, it was a lot more of a measured pace, and it wasn't the over-the-top, Frantic. you know, Blah. yeah, yeah, and it, it was a more thoughtful um, uh, presentation and sort of opened up um, discussion on, you know, what it means to be a sentient life. And, we also uh, have to remember that the original Star Trek, Josh is right, uh, a, a misogynistic almost doesn't cover how misogynistic it was, but it's like <laughs> yeah. they dealt with, there was a black woman in a command position. There was an Asian in a command position. There was a Russian in the middle of the, of the, of the heated up cold war in a command position. And Gene Roddenberry took a lot of flack for all of that. It's yeah. like right now, the, the idea of having a black woman at uh, front and center on a, on a show is something we don't think about. It wasn't done. It wasn't, it just was not done in these days. And that's that's Star Trek going out and just basically, you know, confronting culture with its own issues. And with, I, feel, I feel the Orville's doing that and and well Discovery, now on Discovery is not. On Discovery though, you did have a, a gay couple. So I mean well, that's yeah, where, who is it? It's the the chief medical officer and uh, Stamets. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, it was. But mm-hmm. okay, so they had a gay couple. Um, but I have to wonder if a lot of the reason that Discovery was so different from the traditional Trek that we know is because of the licensing agreements mm-hmm. and disputes between Paramount and CBS when they were mm-hmm. broken up um, by uh, Sumner Redstone. And, and well, I blame Kurtzman and I blame Bad Robot. Yeah. So, so part of the the arrangement there was that in order for Bad Robot to market and and a lot of the 
money that they get from these shows is, is in this marketing of merchandise afterwards. But in order for them to be able to retain the profit from any of the marketing from merchandise, that merchandise had to be at least 25% different from the original series, mm-hmm. um, both in content and style and all that kind of stuff. So you have to wonder how much of that, you know, was forced. And now that CBS and Paramount are now once again, one company, It'll be interesting to see how season three of Discovery changes in tone and and intent, and if that start if they start bringing that back together. Well, we could talk about season three, but I don't think we could do it without major spoilers. Yeah, well, season three we could talk about because we don't really know. Um, I'm going to bring mean, us back to there he is. <laughs> oh, nice. Thanks, Josh. I just got your picture. That is a great cosplay, dude. There's a Hawkeye for that you. Is but awesome. I, actually like it I like it better when you're in the robe. Because it's like, it's perfect. But no, I can attest that he studied like the smile to get it just right. Like it's so Yeah, and it's perfect. Spot on. It's awesome. Perfect. Yay. Yay. Um, (laughs) I, the sad truth of it is with, with the newer movies, with Discovery, it's if there wasn't a market, they wouldn't be making it. True. And that's, that's true, yeah. And that's why I kind of like Discovery because it's not like the original Star Trek. Well, yeah, just because it, it has the Star Trek name in it doesn't. It, it's it's pew pew millennial stuff. They're trying to market to people who. I'm who, not a millennial, and I liked it. <laughs> oddly, I, I think I'm right at the the top cusp of millennial. I think they said '82 was the first year that. that got, wow, I just aged myself a little bit. But uh, honey, that's they, the year uh, we got married. I'm the first year I'm the first year of Generation X. So yeah. But I, I think it's more of right now I'm just old. That that type of thing is gonna sell. And it's mm-hmm. you've seen a lot of a lot of franchises being revived with, with that type of spin on it because for studios, it's easy to revive something that people already know because yeah. the, you, you're going to capture the, the the older audience that has a nostalgia to it, and you're going to capture their their kids or grandkids who are brought up on it, and they they're trying to to keep these franchises going because they. I I mean, this is a weird thing to think about, but if you're not producing new media in Star Trek, eventually that copyright's going to expire and get released back into the world at large. Wow. And so they're incentivized to keep producing things with the Star Trek label because then that, that just renews the copyright. Isn't that why um, Fox did that Fantastic Four terrible movie that came out a few years ago? They, 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 yeah, honestly it was. They had an agreement with Marvel that said they have to produce something with this uh, intellectual property every so often or they lose the rights to it and it, it goes back to Marvel. To make a movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it does, yeah. You produced one. <laughs> what you produced was a turd blossom, but yeah. Thank you. Well, <laughs> so I, it's, there is a market for what they're producing and it, it, it could have been, Think about um, Star Trek in uh, um, what was the the second movie of the newer series called? Not Insurrection. That was the the next gen uh, movie. Um, into Darkness. In, into Darkness. That literally could have been not a Star Trek movie with yeah. the same plot. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and been just as well received. As well, yep. Yeah. yeah. 
the but they have to keep making stuff with with Star Trek in the title. I, I'm I'm assuming the Scoob movie that came out so, uh, for Scooby Doo. It's well, I so we we watched a, a review on it, which raised a good point, which is this is not Scooby Doo because Scooby Doo is all about mystery solving. This was an, an adventure movie that happened to have Scooby Doo characters in it. Mm. All these people are trying to produce these these revivals of old things because that's how they renew their licensing that's how they renew their copyright that's how they keep you know people like like bill from just taking over star trek and producing whatever he wants with it um i I think i would like where bill would go with it (laughs) but it's like as far as you're concerned all right you you're the first generation millennial how many people of the millennial generation understand what star trek is because you just you nailed it you you nailed you understand i can tell that you actually feel about star trek the way an older fan would feel about star trek but how many of these younger people understand that i'm gonna respectfully disagree with you on one point which is i feel the way a fan of star trek feels about it um i i'm not gonna say it's an older fan because i know people that are 22, 23, 24 years old and feel exactly the same way. Um, I think it's just, if you were... That's that's kind of what I wanted to get. It's like... But if you were brought... I think anybody that has watched the original series or watched... um, I mean, let's be honest. Younger people were more likely to have been grown up seeing Next Generation than Mm, anything else. That's true. I think anybody that grew up with that fell in love with it for what it is. Mm-hmm. most of the people most of the market for discovery for newer things it's a combination of people that are look it's got star trek in the title of course i'm going to watch it um because they there's that hope of it's going to capture some of of right. what that is and there's the purpose of star trek the motion picture you just described it right there that was the well, whole- yeah uh the but then there's also like people it's like well I've seen the trailer. It looks good. I've never watched Star Trek, but what the hell? And then they get into it and they're like, hey, it's, it's you know, like you said, pew, pew, space opera. And that's their first foray into it. I'm okay with, I'm not personally going to watch it because it's not what I want to see, but I like that it's out there because it may cause more people that normally wouldn't have gone into the series to turn back then and watch well, I, Space Nine example, or Next Generation yeah. or Ahead, I never Katie. grew up watching Star Trek at all or even really knew about it. And then the first time I saw any was one of the new movies. And I was... I think it was Into Darkness. We watched it... Uh, um, yeah, it was like uh, an outdoor uh, theater thing. Yeah, we, I think really we cool. actually watched it with Bill and Linda. Uh, at oh, Midtown. Probably, yeah. I don't know and where... Was, oh, that could be, yeah. And it was interesting. And I had no idea what was going on. But I'm like, this is cool. And, then, and it got you <laughs> into Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, and now Bill has shown me, like, older Couple episodes. Of next Gen. Uh-huh. Next gen, so, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But that was my first introduction to it. <laughs> um, what do you guys think about um, the uh, series that are supposedly coming, or that are in production, like uh, the Section 31 series, <laughs> and especially the new um, Captain Pike series that's coming out? Um, that the Captain Pike series is going to be a different sort of streaming model in that it won't be the season-long arc that we're seeing now with Discovery or Picard. They're going to be individual standalone episodes, more along the lines of the original series. I don't know about it because like, they're stubbornly not going to go behind that paywall. I think they, they mentioned that 
Josh has a uh, uh, a disdain for the CVS paywall. Well, it, it's Star Trek is one of those things where Bearing in mind, I, I just wonder if if they threw it behind a paywall because they didn't think it could stand up well enough on its own during prime time. Because a lot of those primetime shows, CBS, NBC, ABC, those go to Hulu. And I'm like, this is, I get it. Everybody wants exclusive content. Everybody wants an excuse to get you to go and pay for their service. Um, and I'm mostly frustrated with the paywall in this case, not because I didn't want to pay for it, but because I think it reduces access to something that more people should have access to. Yeah, I would um, agree with that. But I also have to wonder if, the fact that it's behind a paywall is due to the exorbitant cost for each episode. I mean, they are pricey. They are I, paying a fortune per episode. It's amazing how much those shows cost. So I'm going to Cosmic Cat has a very low budget, mm -hmm. which is apparent <laughs> when you watch it. Um, but you can feel the but, love. But but, but that's the thing. You can work with a low budget and make beautiful art that people want to see. But I think that's not often realized. Like, you're very wise right. to say that, but I don't think that everyone agrees, unfortunately. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. are all about, like, it's not for those who don't know, is kind of a. It's by Bill Hedges out of Lyons, Nebraska. It's a. Cosmic Film Studio, correct? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a YouTube. We should put a link below. Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, Lost in Space inspired uh, fan fiction, and it and you can, like Josh says, uh, the budget you know could 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 be higher, but the love of, of every episode uh, is yeah. every episode I've watched has been there is something about it where you can't help but have fun and enjoy it when you're watching it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's a labor of love, but it shows. Yeah. And I love um, my cats, but, but Bill <laughs> Hedges is just, he adores his cats. He, yeah. He, um, I don't think it's that like, he does there that. is, yeah, there is some techniques in there that you just don't, and practical effects you don't see anymore. I love the styrofoam rocks. I, I love, you know, the, the old dramatic TV shows where somebody's saying something like ominous and the light's showing on just this part of their <laughs> yeah. face. Right, right. Um, or the physical models that are suspended and moved by wires. And, yeah. yeah. And it's, well done. Yeah, it's very well done. It's phenomenally well done. And but what I think that is, is, is that they have to have such a high budget for discovery because I don't think the story stands up well enough on its own. Well, and I think audiences so today are on more, visual effects. I think audiences today, though, are more sophisticated and they expect a higher level of special effects and set design, especially in the HD era that we're in. You know, back in the day when you had standard definition television, you could get away with a sloppy set. But nowadays with HDTV, everything right. is so crystal clear that they've really got to put a lot of extra money into building those sets to make them look shame, good. Right? 
think What's we focus that? on the story. There's our cosmic film yeah. studios. Yay! And I can say, because I've worked with Bill on several of his episodes, that he's like one of the most dedicated, hardworking people I've met. And it, this isn't even his like career. He just retired and was like, I'm going to make a series. And I think he, he owns Nebraska, too. Does he own the whole town? No. But it's like, but I, I feel like the old acting, it's like, they didn't have the CGI. They didn't have the effects. What you had was a bunch of people. The director said, what you see is a, is a terrible alien spaceship that's about to destroy the world. What, how would you look at that? Yeah. And it's like, and it's like the acting, they acted. And it's like now people, it's like bad, bad, evil spaceship. They show a bad, evil spaceship. And actors don't really have to act to, to convince us that it's there. I and agree we, with that, yeah. Sad. I don't know though. I, I I don't know that I agree with that, John, because I think today, in my mind, it would be much harder to be an actor today than it was b back in the days of Star Trek, because those actors would be on a set that was fully designed, because they didn't have a lot of green screen or uh, special post. Uh, visual effects teams that could create a whole environment. So the actors are there acting within an environment that's built, whereas today actors are standing in front of green screens. And how how do you... There's a green screen at Bill Hedges. Yeah. It's and how even do you, more imagination, I think. Yeah. How do you get yourself... Uh, to me, that would be incredibly hard to get yourself into a character and into the moment when you're just surrounded by these green screens and you can't see the actual environment in which your character is going to be living. Um, I love I how Bill Hedges worked that VW van into the whole series. I know. And he's actually I'm, got a live one, a real one, yeah. a large one. To like I am smart enough to not have an opinion on this when I, I, I know that Katie has so much more experience. Um, Katie, for you, do you think it would be more difficult to be in that type of environment or do you think that because you know a lot more about the history there too and and what may have been expected in the past versus what's expected today for for actors can it's you find hard a shot of me... katie in a, in a cosmic cat film I'll, I'll see if i can't find one yeah please. i'm sure there's photos somewhere um linda's going through them now i think Gosh, if you go to like my facebook you can probably find oh no don't yeah. <laughs> <Not for her. laughs> Oh, my, oh god. my god, I got one. It's my favorite. I got one. That's there what Josh was they, talking about. With yeah, the with, the, with the eyes lit up. Yes, oh, yeah. that's exactly the one I'm going for. <laughs> oh my god, and then, oh my gosh. <laughs> <sighs> oh, this is perfect. <laughs> so funny. Okay, but anyway, to, ask, to answer the question, I think, um, for me personally, as an actor, I treat everything with the same amount of respect, no matter like what kind of project it is or what the circumstances are or what the budget is. So like for me, if I'm just in front of a green screen versus with like all this big, beautiful budget and stuff, like I'm gonna approach it all the same, actually. It yeah. might take a little more imagination to visualize things, but I never let that distract me from the work that I have to do. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't personally feel like it's changed all that much. Uh, and if a story is really good, it will focus on the, you know, the acting and not all the big fancy stuff. But 
Have you ever worked in a production that you knew was going to just suck? Yes. <laughs> what is that? Well, what is that don't feel? name any names, Katie. Oh, no, no, I never would. I never would. <laughs> but how does that feel? It's, I mean, while you're doing it, it's like you know this is going to just be awful. How does yeah. how does that work for you? You know, sometimes you really got to decide, like, should I take a risk and speak up and be like, hey, I've got ideas to help, or should I just step back? I don't know. It's you just got to do your best and knowing like, okay, I gave it everything I could. That's sometimes all you got. Are you ever worried that Katie. your name's actually going on this, this piece of work that, you know, people yeah. like? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, sometimes it's a bummer, but I'm never like, oh, no, this is going to destroy my career. It's just like, that wasn't great, but oh, well. I don't Katie know. is a consummate professional. I think we're going to need a lot of help in the remake, uh, the sequel to The Return of James Bond. <laughs> I, I want that to happen so badly. Well, now you got to show the trailer for that. Oh, God. No, yeah, I suppose no, we do. No. Here, I'll send you the YouTube link. No. Okay. <laughs> what is it? I don't even know what it is. The, uh, the uh, movie that Linda and I made years ago. The in 1980. Oh, yeah. Something. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. I want to see it so bad. We'll, no. we'll include a link to that. You made James Bond fan fiction? Yes. No, no, no. Here, I'll uh, I'll, no. I'll message, I'll, I'll message it to you, Bill, since uh, Linda doesn't want to share. It. All right. No. Or Linda, you can turn your camera off if you're embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> don't, you don't want your name associated with this fine piece of work, Linda. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> we were just talking about this. Okay. We were just talking about this. But it's I don't care. Love. I'm not a consummate <laughs> professional. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, we lost somebody. Go. Charles. Charles well, we're way over oh, our time. God. Like way Look the hell this. over our time. <laughs> so yeah, so there it is. So back in the eighties, Lynn oh, and I and a couple of our friends had uh, our first video cameras, and uh, so we filmed a uh, a James a Bond like adventure. Oh, copy. Amazing lens flare I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, stick around. That's There's more. Good. We could teach J.J. Abrams a few things with our lens flares. Yeah. <laughs> He would be um, fascinated. He loves lens flares. Yeah, so we filmed the whole... Uh, this is kind of the opening scene where uh, James Fond... He always had me. long walk-ons. Yeah, yeah he's walking to meet uh, a <laughs> and of course, agent. And of course, in this, in this time of video filming, you can't... There's no editing, right? So, because it's all on tape. Not without a lot of expensive equipment. Well, right. plus so, every time you edited, it was tape to tape. And every time you did it, there was a bit of degradation. You degrade the and there's already, so, it's already degraded. <laughs> so there was a bit of editing there, but that's why it's probably not as clear as it is today. That downtown? Oh. Yeah, there's old downtown. I mean, heck, that, uh, that mall now is gone. I mean, it's going to be just uh, all the water and everything. <laughs> there's my there's my secret agent meeting, and then there's there's Linda in the trench coat behind me. Um, <laughs> she's she's a spy following me for the opposition, trying to get uh, in, uh, well, info don't, for Mister. Don't give Big. the whole plot away. Yeah, save, no, no. save some for the audience at home. All right, uh, that's good. All right, so you get an idea. So we'll <sighs> we'll include a link to the series. Uh, but we're talking Baby. about shooting a sequel where uh, James Fund, uh, me, is called out of retirement. Um, I would watch that. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. So Josh and Katie have offered to uh, participate in the in the show with us. So well, I know for a fact <laughs> equipment than you had then. 
Yeah, and uh, and we might we might see if we can get Bill Hedges maybe to help edit yeah. it together for us because we got connections now. Yes, right, right. <laughs> we have we have we have people we know in the in the biz. <laughs> All right, before we sign off, I'm going to share something that Katie can talk about. Oh we yeah, get her. Oh gosh, so yeah, Omaha is always like making cool stuff, um, and this is a GoFundMe for. Um, Next summer, we are working on a pilot episode for Son of Aries, which is going to be, uh, I think it's so amazing. It's um, like a modern day Greek mythology story. Um, so it's about, you know, ancient Greek um, gods and goddesses and like kind of their their children or their offspring, like living in modern day. Um, and it's going to be really cool. I'm going to be one of the main roles. And then uh, Maverick, the writer, is also local here um, and is putting the whole thing together but of course the more funding we get the more we can do with it so we're hoping to make the pilot really good and then offer it to different places so, so is this this will be an animated series then or it's going to be like mostly live action but whenever oh, they wow. go into like another world um mm -hmm. ah. logical world then it'll be animated which ah, be really i see huh awesome. interesting yeah. so there you go donate today they got a gofundme page sons right. of the aries pilot well, episode we go yeah. How's this show been for you, Audie? He's been fascinating. Informative. Informative. <laughs> You're kind of like a lurker, just kind of hiding. <laughs> the yeah. Well, I, I just want to be on the beach. I just want to be on the beach with him. Doesn't that look yeah. awesome? <laughs> I did this with uh, Zach the other day. Yeah. Uh, had my shirt off and some sunglasses on. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's cute. You weren't wearing the wife beater from episode one, were you? Uh, thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Fact, yeah about our first episode, Audie but... wore like this this white t-shirt or something. I can't even remember what it was now. It was right, a tank, with, uh, tank top. Yeah. Carl Sagan on it or something like that. Yeah, he oh, was the right. only thing he had sci-fi. Sci the only sci-fi shirt he had at the time. Sagan is my yeah. my buddy, something my homeboy. Linda made me put a shirt on. So for yeah. our fans out there who are now curious about episode one, don't be. <laughs> Do not go. It is no. <laughs> don't say that. You can yes. go see episode one. We call them the classic episodes. Galactic uh, mm. Driftwood Classic. I never uh, thought I'd say just, that. Just for that, I want you to watch it again and give me a report next. next <laughs> I will do that. You, All right. Thank you All for right. having us. Well, yeah, thank thank you. you guys for jumping on today and joining us for this show. It was awesome. We lo always love having you guys on the show. A lot of good discussion today. So thanks. Glad again. to be back. Yep. We'll have to do this again sometime soon. And uh, stay tuned for updates on the remake of uh james fond so no. yes no. all right well thank you all uh, be sure to check us out uh galacticdriftwood.space is our homepage. you can find links to both the uh, video version of the show as well as audio versions if you want to listen to us on the go while you're maybe jogging around town during the covid crisis and um We'll be back again in two weeks with another exciting show, which we'll figure that out, won't we? <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all. And thanks Bye. to the guests and everybody. Bye. So we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now... 
Please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.